reasons for this, but the explanation that the author herself chose was that her writing, and the world it portrayed, was considered old-fashioned. That has the ring of truth about it. Even if the 1960s were years of intellectual experiment and rapid social change, they were also years of some shallowness and silliness. Of course, Barbara Pym would be considered old-fashioned in the decade of flower power and drugs, and publishers, like anyone else, might have been carried away by the heady atmosphere of the times. But the brute fact remains. This unfortunate act of pursuit of the zeitgeist, along with the numerous rejections that followed it, silenced an important author for some fourteen years. She continued to write, but not as much, perhaps, as she might have done had her manuscripts been published. And during this period, of course, her public was deprived of all the pleasure that her novels might have brought to them. The long-overdue rectification came in 1977, with the famous championing of her books by Philip Larkin and David Cecil in the Times Literary Supplement. Now, at last, she was given her due, and was showered with invitations and expressions of interest from those who had previously ignored her. How satisfying it must have been, if not to her, than at least to her friends. What wonderful embarrassment for those who believed that an unmitigated diet of gritty social realism, graphically described sexual couplings and sadistic violence was what readers really wanted, and all they should get. The entire time, the reading public, or quite a large section of it, was really yearning for the small-scale delights, the beautiful self-deprecating humour, and the brilliant miniaturization of Barbara Pym's novels. It was the same in children's literature. What children were being given was an offering of improving, pious, and very dull tales. What they actually wanted to read was adventure and excitement, and, believe it or not, boarding school stories. Eventually, Miss Rowling was allowed to give them that. There has been no diminution of Barbara Pym's reputation after her death. Indeed, it has been steadily enhanced. An indication of this is the fact that she has become an adjective, the finest compliment that posterity can pay any writer. There are very few novelists to whom this has happened, notably to Graham Greene, who became not only an adjective, but also a territory, Greenland, a land of seedy hotels and forgotten colonial corners. It also happened to Hemingway, a life described as Hemingway-esque is one filled with bullfighting, hunting, and deep-sea fishing. To say that a moment is very Barbara Pym is to say that it is a moment of self-observed, poignant acceptance of the modesty of one's circumstances, of one's peripheral position. A Barbara Pym moment also occurs when one realizes that for those whom one is observing, one will never be an object of love. Tolerant affection, perhaps, but never deep, passionate love. Indeed, one is not really entitled to expect such an emotion, although it is ennobling, some say, to observe it in others. The world portrayed in excellent women is a world of shortages and genteel drabness. It is not a world of real poverty. That is not Barbara Pym's territory at all. The characters in this book have all known better days in one way or another, they come from a vicarage background, but are now in shared accommodation. They appreciate better fare than the tin food they eke out. Their lives might have had more light in them. 
Is this a world that the contemporary reader can recognise? I think that it is. Certainly London is a very different city from the city described in this novel. It is more cosmopolitan and more dangerous, more alienated from its hinterland than ever before. But it is still recognisable in this book. And Excellent Women transcends its particular historical setting, as do all of the Pym novels, because it says something about human aspirations that is as true today as it was when it was written. We all have our hopes. We are all, to an extent, and, unless we are very lucky, unfulfilled in some parts of our life. We would all like things to be just a little bit better for us. That world of vague longing is described in this novel in a way which not only shows us the poignancy of such hopes, but allows us to smile at them. One does not laugh out loud while reading Barbara Pym. That would be too much. One